This is Payments Innovation. We take you deep into the DNA of digital finance with some of the most respected voices in the industry. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Payment Innovation Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Mann from Currency Cloud, and I'm very excited to be recording today our first session from sunny Singapore. Today's episode is going to have an APEC focus, and specifically, we're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about Korean One (KRW) and the prospects for its internationalization. Um, when will it happen, or why should it happen, and what impact would it have for cross-border payments and and clients in Korea? So, given the topic, I'm very happy to be joined and like to introduce my guest for today, Jay Lee from the Korean payments company Senbi. Hey, Jay, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Before we dive into this topic, uh, maybe you can share a little bit about yourself, uh, about Senbi, and uh, how you ended up in Singapore. We founded the company in 2015 in Korea. Uh, started off as a C2C. And um, as we were evolving into a regional and business model scale uh, startup, um, we realized that the currency regulations in Korea was not the best place to run the operations or treasury operations. In 2019, we decided that uh, we would like to expand our treasury operations um, outside of Korea due to the cross-border payment uh, industry treasury operations. And because our uh, large proportion of our business was going to Southeast Asia, uh, it made sense for us to be uh, stationed in Singapore as our treasury hub. And that's when I moved here, um, where we set up shop. Awesome. Thank you for that. I think you made a good choice. Uh, and as I introduced Simbi, I know I mentioned it as Korean payments, but I, I know you're much more than that. You have a Singapore license as well. So that's awesome. Um, and I think that you know brings us back to this topic of Korean one internationalization, right? And um, maybe first off, I'll just maybe define what we mean by internationalization. And that just basically means any currency that is used and held beyond the borders of its country. So the classic example, sorry, of uh, internationalized currency would be US dollar can be used almost in any, any you know, in, in any uh, outside of its borders for sure. Uh, Korean won, by contrast, is is right now restricted. Um, maybe it's worth just asking you, Jay, I mean, how you think about Korean won internationalization, whether it's in economic or sort of historic terms. Um, sure. So I think it uh, first or more deeply was emanated by um, the financial crisis in 1997, 1998, where um, Korea had to go through the IMF funds to be rescued uh, financially. And since then, the currency regulations, especially regarding KRW, was restricted to onshore banks and financial institutions um, that had to trade spots only between uh, 9 a.m. to 15.30 or 3.30 p.m. Um, through these two FX brokerages um, that were licensed by uh, the Korean regulators. Now they are re revisiting this regime to see whether, one, it makes sense for a more efficient and um, developed regime to take place to help um, Korea and Korean economy, Korean currency, uh, help not only foreign companies, but also Korean companies to do business within or outside of Korea. So basically a more efficient and optimized way of dealing with effects in relations to KRW. But also they are uh, delving into the MSCI index to see whether they can become the world index and in turn have some of the trickling effects on getting investments and things like that. 
from my own perspective, just doing a bit of research, I, I think Korea definitely punches above its weight, right? For a country of 50 million people, a lot of the, a few other countries in this part of the world do have restricted currencies. But I guess if you contrast Korea to the, some of these countries, it's a much more advanced economy. It's the fourth largest economy in, in APAC. It's actually, I was, I was actually pretty surprised to see it was the number one in terms of, of the top four in terms of economic freedom, ahead of Japan even. And definitely feel that after 25 years, it might be something that's ripe for change. Um, just coming back to like uh, maybe the cross-border payments uh, schemes in Korea right now. I mean, what, do, what does traditional cross-border payments in Korea look like today? And how do you think, you know, any changes to internationalization may help or change it? In the payments industry or uh, specifically the cross-border payments industry, I would, I would kind of, I want to differentiate two segments. One is regarding the KLW or um, the tradeability uh, international or uh, domestically of CareW versus actual licensing regulatory regime of uh, you know fintechs being able to conduct such operations. Regarding the first, I, I, I believe uh, we will talk about more. Um, the second, uh, second part regarding giving licenses or setting up the uh, revised regulations within the Foreign Currency Transaction Act to give out licenses to fintechs like us besides banks in order to do cross-border payments was actually uh, very recently revised in 2016 and 2017, where uh, they started giving out licenses in 2017. So before that, it was only banks who were able to conduct cross-border payments, um, whereas uh, after the revision of uh, the regulations, the regulatory body authority started giving licenses to fintechs such as us. And that in line um, gave the, I guess, the authority or um, the flexibility to banks to uh, conduct, you know, the necessary onboarding and compliance uh, review. And if good enough, then uh, they would basically provide the infrastructure, the banking infrastructure for companies like us to do cross-border or facilitate cross-border payments. For example, if we want to send from Korea to Singapore and uh, in order to facilitate the payouts we have to settle to for example a currency cloud and before the revision of the regulation we were not able to send out those funds because we're not licensed as a financial institution or cross-border payment company and therefore we're not able to settle with our cross-border payment partners but uh, after the revision and given the license um then we were able to settle with our partners and that basically opens the doors for this entire industry we should think about the regulation of cross-border payments and and the money, and the internationalization of Korean one as separate things. And I guess you're saying that in Korea, much like Singapore, actually, and obviously you know this as an MPI holder, there's and maybe across, we're seeing a change in regulation where they're introducing modern, I would say, payment in uh, payment licenses, which really reflect and facilitate companies like Currency Cloud, Senbi, um, hopefully setting up businesses and, and growing. Just focusing on the cross-border payments for a second, I mean, what's that meant in terms of growth in that industry or, or that sector? Since 2017 um, to now, um, it's about a five-year five year, uh, period, basically fintechs who are facilitating or uh, running a, a platform or some sort of operation regarding cross-border payments went from zero to 30. In a growth perspective, obviously that's like infinite, but um, it's basically a an industry just just started in 2017 and just boomed. These are targeting, um, you know, the migrant workers in Korea, international students who are studying abroad and their parents are sending money, uh, tourists, and then also 
expanded into the B2B area as well. All the different, you know, content, entertainment, educational platforms, e-commerce, all these online platforms that um, started booming, especially from uh, COVID-19 that uh, needed some sort of facilitation of cross-border payments. And I think that that gave it a J-curve to for this industry to thrive. But since that change of regulation, this industry just was suddenly, uh, you know, had been given birth. And then since then, it's been um, rising very explosively. Right. Awesome. So it's very interesting times for SMB. It's obviously a great opportunity for you guys in terms of growth. Also very interesting for us as a currency cloud, as a, as a payment facilitator. Um, and so looking forward, I mean, I guess is the expectation that within the cross-border space that this will continue to grow as Korea's economy continues to grow? How, how do you think about that looking forward? The C2C market is more about, less about the, the growth of the target pool, but more about um, their the market share of fintechs uh, of the given pool. Um, as the Korean economy um, grows, uh, as it is a, a an export-based economy, there will be more cross-border payments going in and out regarding uh, B2B. So in a general form, um, we believe that the B2B market of Korea, whether it go uh, inbound and outbound, will continue to grow aligned or above the growth of the Korean economy. That's in line will uh, be quite highly affected by um, how the projected changes in CARW tradability or internationalization would go, which kind of leads to the second uh, second segment of the currency regulation that we previously mentioned. Given the change in payment regulation, that's already facilitated a huge amount of growth. Looks like there's a lot of growth ahead as Korea continues to export all kinds of things. Uh, you know, we talked about those phones, TVs, white goods, hardware, cultural aspects, uh, uh, everything. Everything seems to be coming out of Korea right now in APAC, so, which is great. How would then internationalization play into this, right? So it sounds like cross-border payments are going to grow anyway. The economy is growing. Um, would internationalization be uh, an added opportunity? What's the how, is there a house view on this? Whether it will be changed, when it will be changed, how it will be changed is, is not is not fixed yet. So um, it's just projected. In our opinion, um, there are two aspects that will be um, quite significant in changes. One is the the time of spot trading that is that will be possible, and second is um, the trading audiences of this market, which previously the market players were onshore. Uh, registered financial institutions or banks, whereas um, it is projected to be um, expanded into offshore uh, financial institutions and banks as well. And the second is regarding the time, because it becomes more internationalized, um, it will be expanded into, um, some people say 24 hours, which will um, help the different international players in different time zones. Um, So this expansion in time as well as... the players who will be able to participate in this market will basically help um, the liquidity of this market. The players who will be able to participate in this market will be much larger. And because of the increase in liquidity, the uh, volatility is projected to shrink because of you know more liquidity, more, more bid-ask. And this 
decrease in volatility will basically um, help uh, import-export companies or payment companies like us be able to uh, hedge risk better because there are longer hours or be um, have more visibility on you know FX uh, gains and losses and things like that that would um, be very hard to predict or very hard to account for but after the change will will give you know more more predictability internationalization would bring greater liquidity greater bre- uh, greater breadth in terms of players greater depth in terms of liquidity uh, leading to hopefully tighter bid offers potentially trading opportunities for players like ourselves and yourselves in singapore uh leading to tighter bid offers less volatility so it sounds like a net positive overall um I believe so. And when there's a currency that is internationalized and less volatile with more liquidity, we can, in the long run, uh, be able to see CARW as a settlement currency, which would give ease to uh, some of the companies who want to trade much more frequently with Korea. And that, in turn, will obviously be easier for them to account for the FX gains and losses and have a more predictable uh, financials, basically. So economists are very keen on Korean one internationalization. I was trying to do some research on this, and there's some there's a lot of talk about internationalization is the RMB and uh, the Chinese yuan, and that's been an ongoing project for many years. The steps the government is taking. It sounds like uh, they're very strong. Um, given given that Korea has a very, or even probably a very also export driven economy, strong kind of economic reasons and rationales potentially for internationalization, and therefore you know potentially some opportunities that may manifest not only for the end end buyers or users of the businesses or the consumers in Korea, but also expand that ability for Korean companies to, to trade internationally. In the APAC context, Singapore is seeking to be an FX trading hub for the region. And um, so really the question is, if Korean one does, uh, does internationalize, and so there is the capacity to trade in Korean one, does that validate or does that map into your kind of decision to get an MPI license in Singapore? Um, how do you think the opportunities grow for your Singapore business? Uh, if we think about the, the, the foundation or the, the reason of, of why they're making this change in regime of the regulations is not only for the CARW itself to be more stabilized or become more global, but also for basically to fuel growth in the overall uh, Korean economy uh, in the global stage. The Singapore entity in Korea in in Singapore is a hundred percent subsidiary of Korea. Right? Um, in order to set up shop, we need you know capital expenditures. And the Korean entity having to make these capital ex- expenditures, it has to go through a lot of, uh, you know, reporting duties. So all these like strenuous yet um, overlooked uh, reporting or overall requirements and regulations are to be loosened in order to um, feed back to the foundation of the reason of this change in regime. Obviously, effects are, um, as a cross-border payment company from Korea, our Korean business in and out regarding... Um, uh, a more optimized and efficient way of doing uh, trading CARW into all the local currencies that we're paying out to or vice versa to pay into Korea. As we grow and um, become less of a, of a just a Korean co- payments company, but become a more globalized um, payments company, cross-border payments company, um, this treasury hub of Singapore is still um, com- very valuable for us regarding uh Especially like Singapore business, we have a Singapore business here. Um, our C2C B2B platform uh, is launched in Indonesia, is launched in US. 
So um, as we uh, expand, uh, not just in terms of uh, our business model, but also regionally, I, I still believe that uh, Singapore as a treasury hub has a lot of value um, disregarding the CareW tradability because sometimes we just don't even go through CareW, right? So right. I think our... Um, are very good signs for us uh, to have to maintain Singapore's treasure hub for a global business, as well as Korean business, which um, is still a huge proportion of our business to have a less volatility, more liquidity for us to have a more stabilized and predictable business. Understood. Awesome. That sounds really positive. So I think uh, there's a huge opportunity in terms of global expansion from the Korean business as it stands. It sounds like the Singapore hub is just a, a, another cherry on the cake, as it were, in terms of additional growth, additional ability. If you were to look into your crystal ball, and I know this is probably a bit unfair, uh, do you have any <laughs> do you have any predictions as to when and if this might happen? Oh, that is a very hard question. Um, to be honest, the Korean regulation changes are quite hard to ex- um, predict in terms of timing as well as the scope. Sometimes it goes step by step. Sometimes it, go- it takes two years when they say. Um, it's going to happen very soon. So I'm not sure, but um, general market players are expecting this change to take place late next year to maybe the year after, um, where it will be a step-by-step approach regarding expansion of time, um, expansion of uh, participants or registered participants, as in, like for example, perhaps step one is offshore, Banks and uh, financial institutes. Step two is, you know, foreign offshore hedge funds, for example, or you know that kind of step by step participant uh, scope expansion. Who knows? But um, we we think that to hedge risk in a regulatory perspective, as well as to see how it goes, they will take a step by step. We hope that it would be as early as next year. Okay, awesome. Thank you for that. And sorry for asking a slightly unfair question, but always good to get some thoughts there. Um, and, and interesting, really, to get your local perspective, right? You're closer to the ground than we are. Obviously, with regulatory changes, we, we never know, but it's always good to have a, a feel of when it might or could happen and what that could entail. But I think from this, I would say that uh, very clear that there, um, there are huge opportunities in terms of growth uh, for the Korean cross-border business. I think internationalization seems to be a cherry on the cake in terms of uh, really pushing it forward. If it does happen or when it happens, additional possibilities for both Korea and Singapore. Hope so, hope so, yeah. Okay, awesome. Thank you very much. This has been great. Thank you, Jake. Thank you, Anthony, uh, for especially the crystal ball question. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for joining us here on Payments Innovation. We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas about the show. Connect with Currency Cloud on Twitter or LinkedIn to find out more. And remember to subscribe by your favorite podcast player.